This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 213, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, October the 22nd. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 213. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is our reviews episode for the comics that were released on Wednesday, October the 22nd. This episode is coming to you on the 29th of October, so uh, the new comics have just come out this week, uh, today for this coming week, but uh, before we can really enjoy new comics, let's talk about old comics from last week. Um, last week, there was actually a ton of new releases. Considering it was a fifth week uh, month, you would think that there'd be less releases that would have come out last week. Uh, now, because I didn't get a chance to do the episode earlier in the week, I ended up having time to read more and more comics. Um, so I think at the end of the day, I think I had almost uh, 20 or something books to end up looking at. So today's going to be a very abbreviated episode in some ways. Um, it's still going to be about a half hour, but I'm going to be kind of more rapid fire because I think I'm looking at like 22 different comics. And that is a ton of material, so I think I'm almost going to be doing like a minute per, per a comic, if even that. Some of them may not even deserve that. Uh, so first up this week, we have All New Ghost Rider number 8. Um, now this, I, I actually didn't like this. I The book has been interesting, the first few issues. Um, bringing in Johnny Blaze should be good. Uh, instead, I just don't think it's worked. Now, part of the problem is I don't think Damien Scott has nearly as good a artistic style as the original artist on this book, and I think it's been more indecipherable in terms of what action is actually occurring. Uh, it's written by Felipe Smith. I work with Damien Scott. Um, we continue Robbie Reyes' story, uh, him confronting the uh, pre-existing uh, Johnny Blaze ghostwriter, and it just a lot of plot lines are moved forward actually kind of well, but I just found that the artwork made it really hard to enjoy it and even understand what was happening half the time. Uh, that being said, from a purely writing perspective, I think um, the story of, you know, because you have Robbie being kind of possessed and uh, not really himself, and then uh, the demon that's possessed him is kind of being a dick to his brother. Like, it was hard to read that in a good way. Like, it was really hard to read because it was sad, and you don't want to see this happening to this, this character that I've actually come to like, and I like their bond. Um, but i got to say, like, that was evidence of good writing um that that really made that come alive that relationship i did definitely felt something uh but the art i don't think was up to the task at times it wasn't really clear what was happening it's a distinctive art style but not one that i think is serving the book that well considering what's going on in it uh so i'm gonna give it a five out of ten uh next up is all new invaders number 11 this continues uh, James Robinson's book. I'm actually, I'm really wondering how long this is going to end up lasting, but I do enjoy it. Uh, artwork by Steve Pugh. Um, the artwork is gorgeous. Uh, there's a little too too much exposition at times in this issue, but uh, the art's great. At times, almost looking like uh, the best of what Greg Lang would put together. Uh, the whole team up with uh, the invade, this kind of makeshift invaders team, uh, including the new version of Iron Cross, uh, Bucky, and uh, Namor. Uh, and then with like, Cap kind of communicating with them uh, via like video, and then having them trying to assist uh, Human Torch, and even having uh, Radiance uh, jump in to kind of lend a hand, I thought it was actually really well done. Um, I like the way that this, in a lot of ways, has become a book which is more about um, Human Torch than anyone else, and I like that because I like Jim Hammond, um, and I'm liking Robinson's take on the character, and again, the artwork is gorgeous. I'm going to give this an 8. I, I think it's an, a very, very um, 
un, uh, unsung book in the Marvel's current roster. I don't think it gets nearly the hype it deserves. I think it's a solid book. I think it's had to weather the fact that its cast has gone through a lot of different changes in the uh, in the different uh, continuities. But um, yeah, I mean, because everything. Think about it. Bucky's had major stuff happen. The Illuminati. What's happened to Steve? Like, and he's just rolling with it and just doing his thing. Uh, next up is none other than All New X-Factor. Uh, this is uh, part of Axis. It's issue 15 uh, by Peter David and Carmine DJ Domenico. Um, once again, this continues to be a very strong, uh, well-written book by Peter David. I really like his take on the characters, um, how they kind of mess around with things here. I like that it's kind of part of Axis, but uh, the kind of the first three issues of Axis where it's, you know, this feeling of hate going everywhere, um, seeing danger confronting, you know, gun-toting, um, crazies and how her response is actually quite hilarious. Um, I actually really dug this. I, it, it continues to be a really engaging book and I'm really sad that it's going to be over after issue 20, but it remains a consistently enjoyable book with every, every single issue. Uh, I'm going to give it, um, a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is, let's see here. Next up is Amazing Spider-Man, uh, and this would be number eight. Um, now this I had very specific feelings about. Sometimes I read issues and I'm like, oh, that was okay, it was good. And some I just got really upset by, and this was kind of one of them. Um, so when we pull up uh, issue eight, the cover is actually with the backup, Spider-Girl's Last Stand, and then we have, because it's Edge of Spider-Verse, and then we also have this team-up continuing between uh, the new Kamala Khan uh, Miss Marvel and Spider-Man. Uh, so the first issue is Adventures in Babysitting. Or sorry, Misadventures in Babysitting. Haha, ha, Miss, Miss Marvel. Uh, it's written by Dan Slott, artwork by Giuseppe Camicoli. Sorry, Dan Slott did the plot, Christos Gage did the script. Uh, this felt very paint by numbers. It felt very rudimentary. Um, I did like the parts with Silk kind of getting her own new costume. It just it, it wasn't a very strong story. Clayton Cash or Clash or whatever his name was. Clayton Cash, who's a Clash from Learning to Crawl, makes his reappearance. Although even that I felt was kind of underdeveloped. Like now I'm sure they're going to do something with it later now that he's going to be part of part. I feel like this really suffered from only being half the issue or not even that. Uh, then the final story here was the My Brother's Keeper, which is part of Edge of Spider-Verse by Dan Slott and Humberto Ramos. And I absolutely hated this. Um, just, I mean, I loved Spider-Girl back when it started. I mean, I was a, a buying What If kind of randomly and I saw Spider-Girl. I'm like, that sounds so cool. I remember buying like the first 50 issues of that book and then due to budgetary constraints, I couldn't buy it after that and then I always meant to go back and pick up the issues but I never really had a chance to so but I've always really been very like defensive over the character because I was such a huge fan for so long um and well not maybe so long because it was only 50 issues I mean that's four and a half years but I really liked the character and I was there for like her first appearance because I bought that original what if uh back when it was just a regular issue what if 105 so the fact that she's being you know, used is very exciting to me, and then I read this, and it just felt like it crapped all over that universe. Like, I would have been fine if she was one of the ones who didn't have their universe destroyed, or like the 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 world of that character kind of destroyed before she joined the Legion of Spider People. Like, I just this this really bothered me. The fact that we see like um, her dad, like the the adult Peter Parker, die and, and be withered away as a husk at the hands of this character 
who kind of looks like Mr. Hyde, but is really just a Morlan, I guess, sibling or whatever. Um, I just found this extremely in poor taste. I, not very reverential to the character. It just it felt awful. And um, I'm very disappointed that that, that happened. I mean, obviously, Dan Slott's going to make waves. He's going to kill people. This is just what he does. And in a storyline like Spider-Verse, you kind of have to. But I just feel like there's going to be so many nameless characters or brand new characters that no one really knows about or cares about yet. Kill them. Maim them. Don't. This is a beloved character in a beloved reality. And to just have it taken apart, was I found very upsetting. Um, and so as a result, I'm going to give the issue a 5 out of 10 just because it was an uneven issue. You had two main stories kind of jostling for supremacy. And then one of them I really didn't like and the other one I just felt middle of the road. Uh, next up is Aqua, uh, sorry, actually Amazing X-Men number 12. I almost completely forgot about this. Uh, I actually really like this. Um, I thought it was a solid story. Um, and it has continued to be kind of actually in some ways one of my favorite X-Men books. It's kind of a more consistent one. Um, in some ways even more consistent than X-Men. I mean, that's gone through a few different writers as well. But so is Amazing X-Men now. It's been two different creative teams and then a fill-in as well. Um, it ends the World War Wendigo storyline, which I thought was really cool. Um, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, solid art, solid storytelling. Um, it just felt very classic feeling. Um, and it, look, even that cover, like look at that cover. That's just, that's a classic X-Men ready to go into in a battle. Um, it's written by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, and it's uh, penciled by Carlo Barberi and Iban Coelho. Uh, I believe they're not going to be in the book much longer, if at all, because we have the um, Return of the Juggernaut storyline coming up, uh, which will kind of replace them. But uh, yeah, a lot of fun seeing what Iceman and uh, Storm and them can do when they're powered by the uh, Northern Gods, uh, seeing them fight against Tanarak. Uh, I thought it was really compelling stuff. And so I am uh, 8 out of 10. It's highly recommended for me. Uh, then we have Aquaman 35. Uh, this is uh, what Maelstrom Part 1, uh, which is written by Jeff Parker, artwork by Paul Pelletier. Uh, remains just a great book. I thought Pelletier's artwork was really good here. At times it felt more like Ivan Reyes and not even like Pelletier, and I mean that in a good way. Seeing Dr. Shin kind of being brought to Atlantis to do more research, um, I liked how this just felt like we had a lot going on in terms of all the developments with uh, Aquaman himself and trying to find out more about his mother, uh, the, the developments with Dr. Shin and their kind of research of Atlantis, um, really good. I mean, this book has been one of the most consistent, I would say, since the beginning of the New 52. Um, extremely strong. And then we have Arkham Manor, number one, which I didn't really care for. Um, so this is written by Jerry Dugan. Artwork is by, let's see, I can't even find the artist. It's by someone. Oh, it's by Sean Crystal, and apparently this takes place after Batman Eternal number 30, which has not yet come out, so thanks for nothing. Um, so now Arkham Manor somehow is being used as the new Arkham Asylum, sorry, Wayne Manor is being used as the new Arkham Asylum. The idea here seems to be that Bruce Wayne may, in the public eye, doesn't have, has kind of wasted his money, and it's all gone. Um, I don't know how much I care about that direction, especially because, I mean, ever since Batman Incorporated, the idea was that Bruce Wayne felt like a little bit more of a presence in the world and not just this foppish playboy, which sometimes they play up. And I just, I didn't find this that engaging. I didn't really like the art. Um, the story I found kind of boring. Um, the whole the whole idea seems preposterous that they would you know, somehow take over the Wayne 
lands to become the new Arkham Asylum like that. I don't know. Just I found it to be kind of stupid. <laughs> Not stupid. That's harsh. But well, maybe I mean to be harsh. I just didn't think this was very interesting or or didn't make any sense. Uh, next up, we have Avengers thirty seven continuing. Time runs out as now we have seven months uh, to go. Um, this is, remains really well done. It's by Jonathan Hickman, artwork by Mike Diodato, although I must say, not the best Mike Diodato artwork we've seen. Uh, we have um, the Avengers looking for the Illuminati. They're finding their last hideout from, I guess, New Avengers, which is where we saw them. Uh, we see uh, Steve Rogers once again wearing his um, Commander Rogers uniform, even though he's an old man. It's interesting that he looks a lot more fit now than he has in some of his other appearances, like in Daredevil. Um, we have them all kind of converging, looking for the Illuminati. Uh, they find this message from the Illuminati, uh, hidden in a hologram, uh, which I thought was actually really interesting and cool. Seeing how, uh, Steve Rogers is kind of handling everything, seeing what's going on in the United Nations as well. Uh, the fact that not everything is as it seems, um, Captain America being kind of a dick to Captain Marvel at one point. Uh, the fact that it turns out that not everything is as it seemed and that Sue and uh, Reed are, are, are still in love and, and she's working on the inside. And um, it's very, very cool. Um, I'm Kev Walker did some great artwork here. I'm not a huge fan of the new or slightly redesigned um, Fantastic Four costumes, but they're all right. The artwork not the strongest I've seen. Sorry, not Kev Walker. Uh, Mike Diodato. At times, there's almost Kev Walker-ish panels. That's what I was thinking of. Um, still quite strong. I'm going to give it a 8 out of 10, which appears to be kind of a common theme this week. Has a lot of things I think deserve it, or at least were better reads than last week, which I think was kind of a sad, pathetic week that had a lot of not-so-good ones. Uh, then we have Avengers and X-Men Axis number 3, which I'm going to give a 4, and I think I'm being nice. Um, the artwork is by... Uh, Lionel Francis Yu. It's written by Rick Remender. This is the chapter three of the Red Supremacy. I just found this very blasé. Um, having the villains kind of fighting against these Sentinels and then the, the and then Onslaught was kind of a cool idea, but again, they just kind of felt like very thrown together. Um, everything seems to happen way too easily. It's interesting because in some ways this is like the anti-decompression where you have everything happen very fast and then you're moving on to the next thing, which I should like, but at the same time, I just felt like Maybe we could have had a little bit more uh, things happening here. Uh, we have the inversion, I guess, is about to start, but it hasn't started yet. Um, Genesis has turned into much more looking like the physical embodiment of Apocalypse now. Uh, we'll have to see where they go from here uh, in the next book. Um, once again, the X-Men and the Avengers are kind of at a crossroads and not a very good one. And that leads into the next chapter. Uh, I didn't really like it that much. Again, 4 out of 10. The artwork I found muddied at times. Oh, oftentimes... Uh, it's just, I expected a lot more from Recommender for this, and this just hasn't delivered so far. Next up is Axis Hobgoblin number one, which, uh, I liked, but at the same time didn't. It's just, it's not a, it's because it's Axis, I guess, because I love the idea of having a Hobgoblin miniseries with Roderick Kingsley, because I think he's such a great character, and I love Javier Rodriguez, and I love, Ke I'm, I'm starting to really enjoy Kevin Shinnick's work, and it's still a good book. It's just... If I was going to read a Hobgoblin book, this isn't the book I would have picked. I would have picked something with the Hobgoblin being a little bit more of a badass, having a little bit, I don't know, slightly different artwork that's not quite 
as uh, not humorous but gentle as here uh, almost and uh, like it's still a really good story and I, I'm very much into it and the fact that I think it's only what a three issue miniseries makes me even more into it the fact that it's not going to be a, an overly prolonged series um, it's really interesting to see how Roderick Kings is handling the inversion and now he's creating you know kind of uh, sending out hero teams or or we, instead of creating franchises based for villains, he's now doing it for heroes. And I think that's great. It's a really cool idea. It's just, I don't know. I I really did enjoy it. It's just, at the same time, not what I wanted from a Hobgoblin book. But considering this is the Hobgoblin book I'm getting, I did very much enjoy it. And again, the artwork is, it is definitely quirky and fun. I'm going to give it an 8, which is, a, again, a common theme this week. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal 29. Uh, it's all right. That's by Scott Snyder uh, and James Tinney IV on, on story, Ray Fox on script. Kyle Higgins and Tim Seeley were consulting writers with Simon Colaby on art. Um, this is some of the stuff I'm least interested in, in terms of the stuff that's going on underneath Arkham, um, what's going on with Batwing, etc., and the this demonic character. Uh, the stuff I did like was very brief, which is the idea of you know the big riddle that they're trying to solve... Uh, what's going on in Arkham. That, I think, is really interesting, um, seeing what Penny 2 is up to. Um, and I guess issue 30 will explain why we're going to be doing something new with Arkham Manor. So I just I didn't really dig it. I'm going to give it a 4. Uh, next up is Cyclops number 6. Uh, I didn't really like this myself. Um, I don't know. It had elements that I think could have been good, but I just it, I don't think it... Is really, I don't know. I, I feel like the the premise is cool, and yet I feel like we, we just the book doesn't know what it wants to be, or it kind of knows, but it's not doing a good job of of really of nailing it and sticking the landing. Um, so uh, let's see. It's written by John Lehman. Javier Garon did the art. Again, I don't. I thought Greg Rucker was writing this. So I don't know why we have a difference in creative team now. The whole. You know, Corsair dying, and then you have this other pirate, and Scott having to kind of pretend to join his squad. I, I, I just didn't care. Um, I felt really nonplussed by the entire thing. Uh, next up is Death of Wolverine Logan Legacy, number two. Wow, if you're talking about me not really caring about something, this would be a good one to start with. Uh, I don't understand this book. Um, written by Tim Seeley, Ariella Christi, Christantina did the art. Um... Actually, the art was probably the best thing about this. Um, this tale of X-23 kind of dealing with Logan being gone, and I guess kind of leading up to where we'll find her in Logan Legacy number one. It just doesn't feel like this book has uh, makes sense in terms of how it's structured. Uh, that being said, I did like seeing a Canadian superhero, um, seeing how that was working, seeing how X-23 really deals with uh, Logan being gone was interesting. It was definitely interesting. Uh, but... Um, as a miniseries, I don't think it's interesting because I feel like this could have just been its own one-shot, but why have it in a framing sequence that seems to be setting up that god-awful Wolverine's miniseries, uh, a weekly book that's coming out in January? So we're going to have this this legacy book leading up to that, I guess? Like, I just don't get, I don't get it. Why are they shoving so much Death of Wolverine garbage down our throats? We get it. Wolverine's dead. Like, it's just at the same time... We don't believe he's going to stay dead for that long at all. So why bother with all these spending months and months of spending every issue as an aftermath? And what what are people going to do? Oh my God, he's gone. 
when we all know he's going to be back. Like, for Fantastic Four, when Human Torch died, we got, what, what one month? One issue of, of, of sadness? And then it was kind of business as usual until it came home. Um, and, and even, like, Spider-Man being dead, there was nothing about Spider-Man. Maybe that's because no one really knew he was dead, but, like, it just feels so overblown. Uh, the issue itself is not bad in terms of the story. The fact that it's supposed to be part of something wider and bigger, dumb. Uh, next up is Deathstroke number one. Uh, actually, I gotta tell you, I really, really dug this much more than I ever would have expected. I'm actually gonna give it an eight and a half, maybe. I'm gonna give it a nine. Hell, I liked it. Uh, it's a really strong story, written in pencil by Tony Daniel. I really liked his take on this version of Deathstroke. Um, the whole action adventure was really cool. Uh, the, the action itself was phenomenal. It just looked gorgeous. Uh, the last page was definitely like a what the hell, what's going on now? Uh, I'm going to give it a 9. Um, this is one of the stronger reads I think I read this week. And uh, I got to admit I was surprised. Uh, next up is Earth 2, uh, World's End number 3. I was very middle of the road on this. Uh, first of all, once again, a massive creative team. As artwork is by Eddie Barrows and Aber Ferreira, Tyler Kirkham and Joe Weems, Eduardo Pensica and Jamie Mendoza, Jorge Jimenez, Paolo Sequera, and Cam Smith, with the story by Daniel H. Wilson and written by Daniel H. Wilson, Margaret Bennett, and Mike Johnson. Um, there's just a lot going on here. Uh, that being said, I I thought parts of it felt like they went on way too long, and then and then the issue was just kind of over. Um, I'm going to give it a six and a half. There were definitely some really interesting components. I just think that, that there's just so much going on in terms of the, the different plot lines they're trying to juggle, as well as so many different artists, that it ends up feeling a bit like a jumbled mess. Uh, next up is Flash 35. Uh, so this is written by Venditti and uh, Jensen. Uh, artwork by Brett Booth, who is absolutely not my favorite artist for The Flash. Um... It's an interesting story as the you have the Barry Allen from the future and the present fighting against each other and seeing how uh, what you know the evil Barry really wants to do in order to uh, stop everything. Uh, it's definitely interesting. Although now that I read it, I feel like I never finished the issue, <laughs> which is embarrassing. I think I only got to like issue fifteen or page fifteen because I definitely got to Wally West showing up as like this weird version of Kid Flash. And I don't really, well, maybe I did read this, but I can't really recall what happened to the rest. And just seeing, oh, no, I did read this uh, at the very end. It's definitely interesting to see what's going to go on next with what's happening with uh, Flash, or both Flashes, I should say, um, consider after the rupture in time. I just don't, I don't know if I was that interested and engaged. The fact that I couldn't even remember finishing the issue kind of tells you um, how enthralled I was in the massive epic they're putting together. So I'm going to give it a 5. Brett Ruth is just not my favorite artist at all for Flash. Uh, next up is New 52 Features End. Uh, this is issue number 25. Um, written by Brian Azarello, Jeff Lemire, Dan Jurgens, and Keith Giffen. I work by Patrick Zerker and Jesus Marina. Marino, sorry, I had I knew there was a reason why I thought the artwork was really good here. Um, the storyline with Black Adam, Frankenstein, Lady Amethyst, and everything—I just feel like that is so protracted and has been going on for so long that it really disengages me from the story itself. Uh, the story with um, uh, what Cole and uh, Deathstroke, etc. Again, I just felt it went on too long. Uh, now the part with uh, Superman fighting against this Brainiac kind of century. Uh, that I found more interesting, the fact that Ronnie Raymond wants to become a Firestorm again, and we got a lot of interaction with him and uh, 
um, and uh, Jason Rush I thought was actually really interesting as well. Uh, the last page reveal, eh, less interested. Um, so overall, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. There were some elements that were stronger than they have been in the previous issues. Uh, next up is New Warriors number 11. Uh, this I really dug, um, even though I think I'm the only one who is enjoying it. Uh, Christopher Yost and Eric Burnham are the writers. Marcus Toad is the art. Uh, we've got the Eternals versus the New Warriors as they're trying to uh, assist uh, the High Evolutionary. Last The last page definitely felt give you that kind of uh, Wolverine rising out of the muck in the, in the Hellfire Club in the uh, Dark Phoenix Saga kind of feel. Um, I definitely dug this even though the book is just about over. Uh, so I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10. And next up is Red Lanterns 35 as we continue Godhead, uh, which remains actually a fairly enjoyable storyline. Um, this particular issue is by Charles Sewell and Jay Calafiore, who I love his artwork. Um, the whole stuff with uh, Guy Gardner and Ice, I don't know if it really has a lot of weight to it because their relationship is pr mostly pre-New 52, so I don't even understand who the character is supposed to be in the current continuity uh, and what she's even doing there. Um, seeing the, you know, the Guy Gardner going up against, uh, this, this kind of despotic character and then going up against these new gods as well, him and, uh, Simon Baz, uh, teaming up as well. I actually really enjoyed it and I want to see what comes next and I haven't read the new Sinestro, but I'm being told by AJ Reese that it's fantastic and one of his favorite books on the stands at the moment. So I'm definitely interested in reading that. Uh, as for this issue of, um, Red Lanterns, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is Secret Avengers number 9, which remains, in my opinion, one of the better books that Marvel's putting out. It's quirky but fun, uh, which means it probably can't survive for long. Um, and especially the, the preview for next issue looks great with Hawkeye and uh, Coulson at each other's throats. Uh, it's Alice Cott on, on um, script and Michael Walsh doing the art. Uh, it remains just a really well put together issue. Um, Seeing, I, I don't even know where they're going to go from here, but uh, the artwork, especially when you have Hawkeye, it's very much evoking the look of um, David Aja. Um, having, anyways, this issue is great. It definitely has that David Aja feel. Um, absolutely fantastic book. Uh, next up is, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Next up is She Hulk number 9, which remains a fantastic book as well. It's sad that that's ending soon. I believe that was confirmed anyway. Uh, She-Hulk. Let's see. It's written by Charles Sewell. One of the good things that he writes. Uh, artwork by Javier Pulido. Um, great artistic style. Great story. Um, very fitting with what I would expect from Captain America. Finding out he may have been responsible for something and then trying to play both sides uh, to make sure he gets a fair shake at it and isn't let off the hook just because of what he's done in the past as Captain America. Uh, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. The artwork is gorgeous, and the story is extremely strong. Uh, the script is not, surprisingly, some of Sewell's best in the book because it's what he does best. It's, it's you know, lawyer intrigue. And then we have Superman 35 by Jeff Johns. artwork by Romita Jr. Uh, I like all the stuff that's going on in the Daily Planet. Planet At times, I feel like the way that Superman's being written is more like his classic pre-New 52 stance and that people trust him because he's Superman he's the Boy Scout even though in the New 52 he really isn't uh, seeing Ulysses and Superman go up against this villain uh, was really cool as well now the, the turn that uh, Ulysses takes I don't think is necessarily that 
surprising that, but maybe surprising that they're doing it this fast. They're just going, you know, out full out. He's a villain now. But um, we'll see where Jeff Johns goes from here. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Not the strongest issue, but there were definitely some parts where the artwork was really strong. Uh, books I didn't get a chance to read this week include Batman 66, number 16, Batman Beyond Universe 15, Bodies, number 4, Catwoman 35, Dead Boy Detectives, number 10, Deadpool 36, Harley Quinn Forever People, number 4, uh, Injustice Gods Among Us, year 3, number 2, Justice League Dark 35, Multiversity, The Just, number 1, Silver Secret Origins, number 6, Star Spangled War Stories, G.I. Zombie, number 3, Thanos Got Out There Listening, number 3, and X-Force 11. Um, looking forward to, well, really, today, uh, things that came out on the 29th of October. Um, some of the highlights for this coming week include the following books. Uh, over at DC Comics, some of those uh, highlights include the following. Uh, well, as I mentioned, you have the new a new issue of uh, Sinestro coming, but mostly you just have a lot of annuals. You have, uh, let's see, you have... Uh, uh, well, besides the weeklies, so obviously you have new issues of Batman Eternal, uh, New 52 Futures End, and Earth 2 World's End. Uh, but you also have, from uh, hardcover-wise, you have Green Lantern Volume 5, as well as the fourth trade paperback from Green Lantern. You have uh, Harley Quinn Annual Number 1, Justice League Dark Annual Number 2, Justice League United Annual Number 1, uh, and you also have Swamp Thing Annual Number 3. And then you have new issues of Wonder Woman and Sinestro, which is part of Godhead. Uh, then over at uh, Image, you have uh, Saga number 24. And then looking at Marvel, you have issues of All-New X-Men, Axis Carnage, Axis Revolutions, the Deadpool and Cable Omnibus for fans of the Fabio Nicieza, uh, Deadpool and um, sorry, yeah, Deadpool and Cable book, or Cable and Deadpool is what I think was initially called. I have the three Ultimate collections, so unfortunately I will not be picking up this particular omnibus. Uh, there's the launch of Deathlock. Uh, the new book. There's uh, Death, Death of Wolverine, Deadpool, and Captain America number one. Whoever priced it, four ninety nine, but I haven't read it yet, so maybe I'm wrong. New issues of Elektra and Fantastic Four, as well as Guardians of the Galaxy, which continues the original Sin storyline. Uh, the new reprinting of the Howard the Duck Omnibus is coming. The Iron Man Epic Collection, uh, Volume 1, Golden Avenger. Uh, you also have the Miracle Man Premier Hardcover Book 2, Red King Syndrome. And you have new issues of Nova. Uh, the hardcover for Original Sin finally coming out at $75. Um, you have Thunderbolt 32 and Wolverine and X-Men number 11, as well as the first trade paperback of that book. So that is everything coming out this week. Thank you for listening to episode 213. Our next episode will likely be the... I, I'm really going back and forth. It might be a comic, uh, comic talk spotlight on uh, Batman Nightfall, but it also might be the continuation of the uh, Comic Talk Spotlight on Marvel's What If. I'm not really sure which one I'm going to go with. Uh, I don't know if I want to do that many What If um, that close together, because I just did one, what, four episodes ago? So I'm not quite sure about that, because, again, I just did that with episode 210. Um, So I might do something with DC instead and just kind of go back and forth. Uh, Upcoming episodes will also include a Big Hero 6 episode, as well as an episode looking at... Uh, flashback to X-Men Operation Zero Tolerance in 1997 uh, and those will be with uh, guests hopefully uh, Big Hero 6 should have a special guest Leon Arlana joining the podcast again and then uh, the episode looking at uh, the flashback to X-Men uh, Operation Zero Tolerance should have Paul Scores uh, rejoining me on the podcast as well um, 
in the next coming uh, coming weeks i'm going to be actually on vacation for a bit so i'm going to try and make sure i have episodes coming up in my absence so it'll be like i never went on vacation at all uh so thank you for joining me for the episode you can email me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com like the show on facebook rate and review us on itunes subscribe to us on itunes and also post in our hc realms thread as well thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time Bye bye <laughs>